Hey all, and welcome to Chapterwise, where I take public domain or other authorized use works of fiction and narrate them for you one chapter at a time. If you like what you hear, please follow my channel. I try to upload new chapters three or four times a week. The Myths and Fables of Today by Samuel Adams Drake, originally copyrighted in 1900. Chapter 15 fortune-telling, astrology, and palmistry. I asked her of the way which she informed me, then craved my charity and bade me hasten to save a sister. Otway. One noticeable thing about certain forms of superstition is their general acceptance by the public at large, like certain moral evils which it is felt to be an almost hopeless task to do away with. Other good, easy souls choose to ignore the presence of fortune-tellers, astrologers, palmists among their daily haunts. As a matter of fact, however, fortune-telling astrology and palmistry have become so fully incorporated with the everyday life of all large communities as to excite very little comment from the common run of us. It certainly would astonish some people if they knew to what an extent these methods of hoodwinking the credulous or weak-minded continue to flourish in our large cities without the least attempt at concealment or disguise. One need only look about him to see the signs of these shrewd charlatans everywhere staring him in the face, or run his eye over the columns of the daily papers to be convinced how far superstition still lives and thrives in the chosen strongholds of modern thought and modern skepticism. At fairs and social gatherings, fortune-telling and palmistry have come to be recognized features, either as a means of raising funds for some highly deserving object, of course, or for the sake of the amusement they afford, at the expense of those well-meaning souls who do not know how to say no. To be sure, it has come to be thoroughly understood that no benevolent object whatsoever has a chance of succeeding nowadays without some sort of nickel-in-the-slot attachment by which the delusion of getting something for your money is so clumsily kept. At fairs, for instance, it is not necessary that the oracle of fortune should speak. Time is saved and modern progress illustrated and enforced by having printed cards ready at hand to be impartially distributed to all applicants on the principle of first come, first served. As the victim receives his card, he laughs nervously, fidgets around a few minutes, goes aside into some quiet corner and furtively reads, Fortune will be more favorable to you in future than it has been. Unwittingly, perhaps, yet nonetheless, has he paid his tribute to superstition, thus thriftily turned to account. The penny in the slot machines, so often seen in public places, tell fortunes with mechanical precision, and in the main, impartiality, evident care being taken not to render the oracle unpopular, by giving out disagreeable or alarming predictions. True, they are just a trifle ambiguous, but does not that feature exactly correspond with the traditional idea of the ancient oracle, which was nothing if not ambiguous? Here is a sample. You will not become very rich, but be assured you will never want for anything. Fortune-telling also is openly carried on at all popular summer results, with considerable profit to the dealer in prophecies, who is generally an Indian woman. She is much consulted by young women just for the fun of the thing. 
Roving bands of gypsies continue to do a more or less thriving business in the country towns. Character is unfolded or the future foretold by the color of the eyes, the length or breadth of the fingernails or of the eyebrows. Telling fortunes by means of tea grounds is often practiced at social gatherings, for still by some invisible tether scandal and tea are linked together. It is done in this way. When drinking off the tea, the grounds are made to adhere to the sides of the teacup by swiftly twirling it round and round. The cup is then inverted, turned thrice and no more, after which the spell is completed, and the mistress of the revels proceeds to tell the fortunes of those present, with neatness and despatch. Time has worked certain marked changes in the method of practicing this equivocal trade. The modern fortune teller no longer inhabits a gruesome cavern, reached by a winding path among overhanging rocks and choked with dank weeds, or goes about muttering to herself in an unknown tongue or is clothed in rags. Far from it, she either occupies luxurious apartments in the best business section, or in a genteel uptown hotel, or dwells in a fashionable quarter of the town and dresses a la mode. Nor are her clients by any means exclusively drawn from among the lowly and ignorant, as might be supposed but more often come from the middle class of society. And though consultations are had in a private manner, those who ply this trade do so without fear or disguise. Of the thousand and one matters submitted to the dictum of fortune tellers, those relating to love affairs or money matters are by much the most numerous. On this head, just a few selections, taken at hazard from the advertising columns of a morning newspaper, perhaps will afford the best idea of the nature of the questions most commonly addressed to these disposers and dispensers of fate. One reads, Mrs. Blank, consult her on all business, domestic or love affairs, unites separated parties. A shrewd offer that. The next, who styles himself doctor, is an astrologer. He invites you to send him your sex with date and hour of birth or a full description. All matters, he naively declares, are alike to him. For the trifling matter of one dollar, he promises a full reading, presumably of your horoscope. The next, a trance and business medium, professes to be able to tell the name of future husband or wife and all affairs of life. Still another, after setting forth her own abilities in glowing colors, warns a trusting public, after the manner of all quacks, to beware of imitators. As an indication to what extent these forms of superstition flourish, it would be vastly interesting to know just how many persons there are in the United States, for instance, who get their living by such means. Enough, perhaps, has been said to open the eyes of even the most skeptical on this point. We may add that the modern application for foreknowledge is not satisfied with the obscure generalizations of the ancient oracles. He or she demands a full and explicit answer and will be satisfied with nothing less. Moll Pitcher of Lynn, who practiced her art in the early part of the century, was the most famous as she was by far the most successful fortune teller of her day. In fact, her reputation was worldwide, it having been carried to every port and clime by the masters and sailors who never failed to consult her about the luck of the voyage. Her supposed knowledge of the future was also much drawn upon by the highly respectable owners themselves who, however, possibly through deference to some secret qualms, generally made their visits at night, sometimes in disguise. Indeed, stories little short of marvelous are told of this cunning woman's skill at divination, or 
luck at guessing, according as one may choose to look at the matter. Besides being the subject of the poet Whittier's least-known verses, a long-forgotten play was written with Moll Pitcher as its heroine, after the manner of Meg Merrilies in Sir Walter Scott's Guy Mannering. From the earliest to the latest times, the astrologers have always claimed for their methods of divination the consideration due to established principles or incontrovertible facts. The court astrologer was once quite as much consulted as the court physician. Though fallen from this high estate, and even placed under the ban of the laws of vagabond and charlatan, the astrologer still continues to ply his trade among us with more or less success, and unless we greatly err, the craft even has an organ, called, not too appropriately, the Sphinx, as the Sphinx has never been known to speak, even in riddles. Palmistry is the name we now give to fortune-telling by means of the hand alone. Formerly, there was no such distinction. After looking her client over, the fortune-teller of other days always based her predictions upon a careful scrutiny of the hand. Some careless hit-or-miss reference to the past, at first, such as, you have seen trouble, usually preceded the unraveling of the future. The disciples of palmistry now claim for it something like what was earlier claimed for phrenology and physiognomy. Everyone knows that palmistry openly thrives in all large communities as a means of livelihood. How many practice it in private, no one can pretend to say, but the number is certainly very large. It is a further fact that some surprising guesses at character now and then occur, but we must hold to the opinion that they are still only guesses, nothing more. That's it for today's chapter, everyone. Thanks for coming along on the ride. Whatever platform you're listening on, just know that I deeply appreciate the time you spend with me here. Please don't forget to like and subscribe, and I'll see you next time.